<laughs> Bow your shits! The real war isn't between a few squabbling houses. It's between the living and the dead. Winter is coming. Why are all the gods such vicious cunts? Chaos isn't a pit. Chaos is a ladder. I'm the shield that guards the realms of men. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, the hopefully top 10 <laughs> House of the Dragon podcast. We're coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out, number nine. <laughs> Uh, we're right behind you. Yeah, we just finished watching the series premiere of House of the Dragon on HBO Max. Hot and D. Beginning our coverage of the Hot D episode by episode on streaming things right now. Are Long you guys- may he reign. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hot D. We need to choose Long a successor. Long may the hot D reign. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to be our successor? We have to name them. That is very important. Number 11. If you're here uh, from the Stranger Things coverage, welcome. It has now become House of the Dragon coverage for a couple of weeks. And then it'll be a dual House of the Dragon Rings of Power Mm -hmm. mixed in with some random movies and TV shows that we talk about on other episodes. So don't worry if you're not a huge fantasy buff. uh, I probably won't be like a super close friend of yours unless you're inside. (laughs) (laughs) You can be acquaintances, though. Yeah, but you're still very much welcome on this show. and We'll have content for you as well. But for right now, this episode is going to be nothing but episode one of House of the Dragon season one. And I would typically read the episode title and then the description. There isn't one that I'm aware of. Oh, there's not. I think on HBO Max, it's just called episode one, which I think that's happened before where that's been a temporary thing. Yeah. And then they've uploaded this, the name title later. I'm not sure. But as of right now, when I last checked, it just said episode one. And the description was set 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones. And I'm like, that's the whole series. (laughs) That's that's not what happens in the show. I mean, it is. But well, let's make it up. Uh, I don't know how to synopsize. It does have a title. Plague. It does now? An it impossible does. decision. Episode one of House of the Dragon is entitled The Heirs of the Dragon. There we go. That makes way more sense. Is there a uh, episode synopsis, Steve, you want to lay on us? Uh, n- not on the thing I had opened up. In your best narration <laughs> voice? Okay. So it's, uh, you know, we're going to give our overall spoiler-free thoughts for every episode. So we're going to start doing that here in a moment. And then we're going to, at the end, after we're done with the recap... So then we'll do a spoiler filled recap. And then at the end of that, we'll do what we call dragon eggs. Okay. So then we're going to talk about some, uh, you know, allusions to the game of Thrones or a song of ice and fire or things that we might've found that are just neat to be reminded of or to explore. And then we'll do a segment called Valyrian steals. And we're going to talk about our top three favorite moments of the episode. They steal the show. Steal uh-huh. the show. Yeah. Damn. We're fucking clever. Damn, that is clever. It's like a triple entendre. Valerian steal the show. And then we're we're also going to talk about, uh, we're each going to pick our favorite performance of each episode, which I forgot to do until just now. I remember that that's a thing. <laughs> the uh, Mummers. Yeah, that and that segment is called uh, The Mummers Dragon. The Drag- Mummers Dragons, yeah. 
Just remembered that as well. Which is a tie-in to the books. Uh, There is a character that they call the Mummer's Dragon because he's potentially pretending to be a Targaryen. He's not in the show, but it's a somewhat significant character in the books. Yeah. Or it might be. We don't know yet. Well, I mean, he's he might be a dragon egg at some point. There's definitely a conspiracy with uh, Illyrio and Varys mm-hmm. working with that guy, but that's a whole plot thread that's like completely ignored in the show Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I also want to say off top that uh, we, I think two of the three of us as of right now have read Fire and Blood and all, th- no, and then two of the three of us have read extensively into Game of Thrones. So, but we're not going to spoil anything. So if you're a show watcher and not a book reader, fear not. We are going to stick on the content of whatever episode we're talking about. We're going to be very careful about that. So is it safe to say that spoilers for the original Game of Thrones show are up for grabs? So if you don't Mm, want any spoilers for the old show, you know, stay clear, but for this one, House of, Dr- House of Dragon, Hot D, mm-hmm. we're not spoiling that Hot D. We're nope. not going to spill that no. Hot D, you know what I'm saying? We're not going to, we're, sp- we're going to spill no Ds on this podcast. Spill that Hot T? Um, yes, indeed. Uh, so I just want to be clear about that because I think there might be a lot of podcast listeners out there that haven't read Fire and Blood that want to experience this show uh, for the first time or this story for the first time. So don't worry about that. But so let's let's dive right into it. Um you know, be aware you can email the show at streamingthingspod at gmo.com. We do have a Twitter at streamthingpod. And thanks to our patrons that have made this possible. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, that is thanks to the patrons at patreon.com slash streaming things. They bought us these cameras and uh, we're working on all kinds of cool stuff. Thanks to those folks. Uh, but yeah, let's dive right into it, guys. Steve. Andy's usually to my right. And honestly, it's like a, it's a habit. And now I got to oh, stick with do it. Do I need to move places? Do I need to swap over where Andy is? <laughs> it's just a whole different vibe in the studio. What was your overall thoughts? Uh, you know, we've been anticipating this for months and months and months. How did you feel about the uh, episode one of house of the dragon season one? You know, I was uh, really impressed overall with this episode and the fact that it achieved, it, it, it felt like game of Thrones the whole way through. Uh, it also felt like its own thing at the same time, which was, which I was shocked that they were able to pull that off. Cause you know, I was thinking like, Oh, this is going to be more game of Thrones. That's great. Or it's going to be its own thing. And that might alienate some people and pe- and others might feel that, uh, that it is too different. But to me, it was this fine line that the creators walked where it was bringing all the things you love about game of Thrones, but also being its own little thing. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that. I like how they're, the direction they're going with the story. It's such a fascinating time to set the game of Thrones universe in where you've got, you've got dragons, you've got Targaryens. There are these characters that were a bigger deal back then, but not when game of Thrones happened. And there's characters and families and allegiances that were a big deal in game of Thrones that aren't yet a big deal. And so I'm interested to see how they get from a to B. I mean, obviously the show set, you know, over almost two centuries uh, before the first series. Um, So there's not going to be any real connection, but they're already trying to connect the two in very substantial ways that we'll get to later on in this episode. But overall, I really liked it. The, the, a lot of the cast members really feel like they were born in this world, which is incredible. There are a couple people uh, like Reese Afans, like that guy just looks like, Oh yeah, that dude stepped out of Westeros. Cool. Uh, yeah. Same with Matt Smith. Like Matt Smith just looks like he would be a, a Targaryen. And yeah. It's great. Um, so overall I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm excited to see what uh, they have in store for us in the future. 
Andy, what are, what are, what are your thoughts? So I agree wholeheartedly with what Steve said about it feeling kind of like Game of Thrones, but also kind of like its own thing. And that's a really cool line that they're kind of uh, toying with there. But um, most prequel, not most, all pretty much prequels struggle with the big problem of you already know where it's going to go. And so uh, it's hard to establish stakes um, when like if they allude to things that may come in the future, we don't care as much because we already know what that future is and who's going to make it and who's not. So when you do a prequel, it's really, really, really important to make us care about the characters, Mm -hmm. the ones that are happening. And especially when you have a a prequel that's set this far back, you have a lot more leeway and like these aren't, we're not playing with like, this isn't a rogue one situation. This isn't like Liana Stark, you know what I mean? Like the very immediate uh, prequel. So it's set back far enough to where there's a lot of room. There's a lot of history that we're going to get to see, but there's also going to be a whole lot of history that happens in between what we see and what we already saw with game of Thrones. But what, what I'm getting at ultimately though, is it's really, really important that I care about who is on the screen because I'm not going to care as much about the overall stakes of what comes next and they crushed it for establishing these characters in you know an hour and change and make me feel like i know who they are what place they have in the world and like the nuances of the relationships that they have with the other people around them it did a fantastic job of introducing us to these new people and uh i I absolutely cannot wait to see i i'm the one of the three of us that hasn't read the fire and blood yet and so i don't know much of anything about what's going on on here uh so i I, i'm fucking stoked like i was like fuck when it was over like we only get the one episode i'm I'm used to (laughs) getting to binge now now it's great because i get to think about it and stew in it for a little bit but yeah i'm excited yeah, it's going to be a, a nice boon for us to be able to kind of pick things apart. And if there's enough people listening to this uh, iteration of streaming things, we might have the the time and the gall, the fucking audacity to do some extra episodes where we really dive into like book lore and stuff and like make oh, that be fun. Because what's neat about Fire and Blood is there's so many different and we've talked about this before. There's so many interpretations of specific events uh, that the book can play with. And it's it might be interesting, even if you have read the book, to to see with everyone else, which one they chose as the objective truth. Um, and we'll get into that a, a lot more later, but anyway, what did you uh, think, Chris? I, 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 so I am biased as the kids say, right. Uh, I, I have been steeped in this world for over 20 years. I've been in love with the, I mean, it's my favorite story of all time. I love sci-fi fantasy and George R. R. Martin's world has always been my favorite by a country mile. Um, and so I was just, I'm, you really would have to shit the bed so hard for me to, for me to not be engaged. Like I am one who found much joy in game of Thrones season seven and eight. Like that's how much I am looking to be pleased. Right. And, uh, but this fucking crushed it. I, I love it so much. Uh, there's a specific part where I burst into tears that we'll uh, get into when we do our recap. But a huge part of that was simply nostalgia and love for the, sh- for the, for the, the world and not exactly the content of what was going on at that time. And I think Steve would agree. And Andy alluded to it because he, he just has a sense of it, even though he hasn't read the book that they did a, such a good job of establishing the dynamics of all of these characters, which are very complex. Um, 
and by the time we meet these characters in the book, we've read about over a century of other Targaryens and, and goings on in Westeros to mm-hmm. set up context for these relationships and these old rivalries and what's going on and why they feel the way that they feel. And I, I was really nervous for new watchers about kind of picking up on all these subtle enmities at, at court and between families and between people. And I just thought they did a wonderful job of doing it without, without it being in a boring way, like setting Absolutely. up how they feel about each other and stuff, you know, uh, and I'm talking specifically about like, uh, Sir Otto and Damon, um, and like Corliss Valerion and the, you know, the enmity between Rain- him and the crown and uh, what's his what? Rainies? Rainies. Yes. Yeah. All that stuff I thought was just really deftly done. Uh, and I bet, you know, Andy picked up on all of it and it's just, it's going to flow from here. So I can't, I can't wait. I, I'm reading the books. I'm just not up to that part yet. Yeah. It's or reading that book. I've already read the other books. Which can you up to? So I'm still early on. So it's still like Aegon's conquest. Have you gotten to Magor? They reference that King a couple of times in this episode. I have not gotten to Magor yet. Okay. All right. I feel like I've read about him though, in like just the wiki of ice and fire. Mm-hmm. And he's mentioned a lot in, um, Game of Thrones or the Song of Ice and Fire books as well. But we're not going to drop dragon eggs yet, guys. Not yet. Not yet. That's going to be his dragon egg stuff. Um, So, yeah, I guess let's get right into it. Uh, The episode opens with uh, a voiceover, which already I thought was a a unique choice. Like you guys said, it felt like Game of Thrones, but also vastly different. This was a very uh, Galadriel yeah, Lord of the Rings kind of voice. Rings, the world has changed. That, that and is I, my note, Galadriel opening. <laughs> yes, okay, you got the same vibe. Uh, and I think the voice of that is uh, M- Emma D'Arcy, who plays the older Rhaenyra. Uh, we, we don't see her in this episode, but I think that was her voice. And uh, I was right off the bat shocked that we got to see King Jaehaerys. Uh, the Conciliator was his nickname. And he ruled for over 60 years, the most legendary, uh, probably the most successful, you could say, Targaryen king of all of the dynasty. And uh, we get to see him briefly. And the Great Council is what that was. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the Great Council is where you could say the inciting incident of all of the Targaryen Civil War stuff. So so what the Great Council was, uh, was where Jaehaerys had 13 children, uh, but none of them survived to become Uh, you know, to take over the throne. He outlived all of his 13 children. And so he had to choose an heir because there was arguments to be made for many, many people. And uh, his actual oldest heir was Rhaenys. Mm -hmm. Uh, No surviving sons, I should say. Okay. So Rhaenys, you know, could have been an heir, but there was no precedent for a woman inheriting the throne. And that's the whole enmity there that she has. And so he ultimately chose uh, Viserys who has been rolling, uh, ruling for nine years by the time uh, the, the real meat of the show gets going. Well, so the show made it seem like there was a vote or something. Yeah, yes. So, so the Great Council, I'm sorry, I didn't finish that. Yeah, they called all of the great houses to Harrenhal, uh, which is a castle you would have recognized from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And uh, they all voted on which one it would be. And they picked the man, of course. Mm-hmm. The so. first taste of democracy <laughs> Westeros ever had. And that was Jaehaerys's, uh kind of hallmark was he was very forward thinking. He, uh, well, he, he did he build the King's road? Like he started he the building of the King's roads. Um, and, uh, his wife, I'm, I think it's her name was Alison. Um, she actually changed a lot of the laws. Uh, I think she got rid of first night. 
I oh, believe the, the, the betting or whatever it's yep. called. Yeah. Like they were just very forward thinking, at least for Westeros. Right. Uh, so that was his hallmark. And so, yeah, he decided that the great council, Hey, well, it'll be fine. Everybody will agree on it. It's going to work out great. They not were, so much. They were forward thinking, but not forward thinking enough to have a female heir. Not quite there. <laughs> and ladies all, tell your husbands. We all can't be perfect. Vote for Burr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we get the uh, kind of Galadriel, you know, uh, taking down of Sauron opening there of the past, the, the inciting incident. And then it cuts to nine years later, 172 years before. And I thought that was interesting, too. We get this title card to kind of like set the like immediately contextualize it with Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I, before we move on from that, that opening scene is there, there's a line at the end of it that I really liked where... Um, uh, Rhaenyra's voiceover kind of says like the like uh, Jaehaerys knew the only thing that could take down the Targaryen reigns were to the Targaryens themselves. Yeah, that was great. And I thought that was, that's such a good line because it really sets up where he's coming from with wanting to have this heir. But it also has a sense of foreboding of like we we know what happens to the Tar- Targaryen yeah. line. So it's a, it's a great line of foreboding that happens. Yeah, that was very well done. Very deftly pointed out, Steve. Uh, so it's 172 years before the events that we saw in Game of Thrones and nine years after that, that uh, voiceover opening there. Uh, and we get a fucking dragon right away. And I love it because if you're a Game of Thrones fan, especially if you're not a reader of the books, but even if you are like dragons are this mythical ancient creature that used to exist. And it's a huge reveal in the story of a song of ice and fire in Game of Thrones. But House of the Dragon. Nah, we're starting <laughs> off with dragons right off the bat. We get a, is it Cyrax? It is Cyrax. They've been had them. It is Rhaenyra's dragon. So Rhaenyra is uh, King Viserys's oldest child, his daughter. Seemingly and, only child. Yes. And <laughs> well, he's had four miscarriages or stillbirths. Stillbirths, or, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so, and Rhaenyra rides Cyrax. And there's a lot of dragons. You should be aware if you don't know this about this world. There's a, a lot of dragons that are alive, um, you know, probably 10 to a dozen dragon riders. But then I think there's at this time, I don't know, maybe this is a spoiler. I don't know. But at this time, there's supposed to be 16 living dragons. Yeah, but then there's like shitloads of little hatchlings and dragon eggs at Dragonstone, a couple wild dragons that refuse to take riders. And those are kind of cool. There's like a cannibalistic dragon that lives on Dragonstone. If you remember reading about that one Mm -hmm. um, that nobody talks to. Old Greg. Old Greg. I'm old Greg. (laughs) He's my eggs. (laughs) <laughs> you can keep that if you want. I'm all eat your fingers. <laughs> uh, and so we get introduced to Rhaenyra in the coolest way. She's got a, uh, a knight of the Kingsguard waiting for her to dismount her dragon. I forget his name. It's something. Sir Harland Westerling. Westerling. Yeah. Played by uh, Graham McTavish, mm-hmm. um, who is an actor that I like. Only because he plays Sounds like Graham Cracker. He plays like three characters in the Uncharted games. So oh, cool. Like he's the villain in Uncharted Two, and he's I think Cutter in Uncharted Uncharted Three. Oh, so awesome. it was fun to be like, oh, there's the voice actor I like, but in a real show that's live because I've never seen any of his live work. I know he does it all the time, but this is the first time I've actually like seen his face, and I'm like, oh, his voice. He looks like his voice. I'm yeah. happy about that. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a cool fucking name, Graham McTavish. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a strong name. Badass. It's a strong name. It's way better than Herod Westerling. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what's better? Should it just Graham McTavish or Harland Westerling? Just change canon to your actual name, sir. We've never done this before. It's way too cool. Uh, but most Game of Thrones and actors are, are uh, from the United Kingdom and their names are always cooler. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we get introduced to, to him and then Alicent Hightower steps out of the carriage. And it's an interesting uh, take on the character from the show's perspective. 
uh, because she isn't quite like this in the books where they, she's very, very close with Rhaenyra. We get established the, their friendship right away, but also like that. She's kind of like not having it with the dragons, right? Like she's like, Hey buddy, you want to ride my dragon with me? And Allison's like, nah, I'm good. Definitely not. No, I'm good. <laughs> and I, I it's like, like me. If anyone ever asked me to ride a horse, no, I'm good. Those things are huge. I like, <laughs> to, I like to think I would ride a dragon, but I almost a hundred percent would not. I'd be, I would not. I'd be her in the carriage. No, nah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, you, do you see my hair? Do I have? Yeah. Do I'm I wearing have... a gown, madam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that thing blowing in the air. Seriously. Woo. <laughs> Get a breeze on my dragon eggs. <laughs> so she won't write it. Wait, so your dude wearing a gown, getting a breeze. And that story, eggs. yes. That's what I thought Steve was saying. <laughs> These are very forward thinking Targaryens, Andy. Uh, no, no, no. I was thinking more like uh, Varys. You know, like I, I'm wearing those robes. <laughs> All the various robes. I've got the same haircut and everything. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, no, no, no. My but, you, but unlike Vi- Varys, you're not a eunuch. I have to state. <laughs> say ain't got no dragon eggs. <laughs> That's true. The story went all to smithereens. Uh, and then uh, we cut to Rhaenyra's mother, uh, Emma. And uh, she's uh, very much pregnant and sick of her daughter's bullshit. You smell like a damn dragon. What does a dragon smell like? Now I'm interested. Like a hussy. Mm. What? <laughs> like a scaly horse. Yeah, scaly horse. Mm. I, I bet there's a uh, pungent, oily, fishy smell to a dragon. I don't know. Yeah. What do alligators smell like? I bet that's what a it, dragon smells like. Has anyone ever sniffed an alligator? And lived to tell the tale? I don't <laughs> think so. Email streaming things. Oi, crikey, I have. <laughs> smells like piss. <laughs> <laughs> I waited till Chris drank his diet Dr. Pepper to throw that one out. <laughs> Sounds like this in a good way. I like the conversation that they have uh, between her and her mom. Um, it really kind of sets up the the rest of the episode where they're talking about you have a royal womb and this yes. is the battlefield. And it really kind of lays kind of the groundwork for what uh, the expected role of women are in Westeros, which is. You know, going to be a huge plot point for the series going forward. The bearer of heirs. Right. That's their role. That's their role. And Emma, like, carries that like a like a like a flag, honors that duty. You know, mm-hmm. like she's very noble about what she sees to be her service to the crown, to her husband. Um, and even Rhaenyra, I think, throughout this episode is willing to do what's necessary, what's asked of her. It's not a traditional, like you, you never get the sense that she's going to run away and go on adventures necessarily. She wants to, Mm -hmm. uh, but she, there's a sense of honor to her as well. There's a little Arya Stark in her, but she's not full Arya Stark who will like run away and and, and chase that dream of being a knight. Like we get that when she's studying with Alicent later and it's, Mm -hmm. it's nice, but I do appreciate that, uh, Emma, the, the queen, it's not just spelt Emma like E M M A. They have to put the A at the beginning, so it's Targaryen like, like Amon and Aegon. So it's like you have to have that little Targaryen. Has always had like formal names that are spelled slightly different. Yeah. Like if I was in there, Andy would be A E N D Y, and be like, oh, but it's Andy. But Andy I would pronounce it Andy if I was Andy. reading it because that's how I pronounce this reading it. I was like, Emma, <laughs> hell yeah, Amon, Emma. <laughs> I would have done the same thing, but didn't work out that way for for your boy. Uh, <laughs> when I was reading the regular books, I called her Caitlin Stark because it's even spelled that way. Sure, yeah. In the show it said Catlin, and I was like, oh. Oh, I, I said that too. Don't get me started on Hermione. <laughs> oh, it was Hermione. How did you pronounce Hermione? I'm curious. Hermione. Hermione. Okay. Yeah. I think I said Hermione when I was like <laughs> Hermione. Hermione. <laughs> well, I think the fourth book they they actually tell you how to pronounce it when she's. Uh, spelling it yeah, out I to think Victor Crumb. That's when I realized, but I was like, oh no, I'm you not fool. doing that. 
it's just me and my brain. Nobody will know. And then the movies came out and everybody knew. <laughs> uh, and then it cuts to the, the small council, the war council, if you will. Um, and we get to see a bunch of cool characters and they're mainly talking about uh, what's probably a huge plot point. Uh, the, the triarchy infiltrating the stepping stones. Did you guys, uh, step stones. Did you guys catch on to that? Yeah. Yeah. I wrote dude's name down, but I'm the crab feeder. Sure. Yeah. The crab feeder. Um, Oh God. His actual name went by too quick before I could write his real name, but I heard crab feeder. Last name was Dragar. I I got that much of it, but. Well, the important thing to know, if you didn't catch on to what's like a huge political backdrop component that does become important is that the, the free cities of Essos that you might remember from game of Thrones, Mir, Lys and Tyrosh. Uh, so not Bravos, but Mir, Lys and Tyrosh. Um, they are united into what they're calling the triarchy and they're normally very separate cities. Uh, and they have infiltrated almost to Westeros. So there's this little grouping of islands off the East coast, like Southeast coast, uh, called the stepping stones. And, um, they've set a nest there, taken those over. And some people in the crown are just like, ah, who gives a fuck? But then other people are like, that's actually pretty concerning because they're pretty close to us. Right. That's a little scary. <laughs> and uh, who cares the most is Lord Corlys Velaryon, uh, who we see is married to Rhaenys Targaryen, uh, Rhaenys Velaryon now. Uh, and he his nickname is the Sea Snake. And keep a close eye on him. He's a super cool dude. Because he's actually traveled the entire world on his ship. They're like seafarers, you know, kind of like the Ironborn um, is what that family is. And he's like traveled all the way past like to a shy and stuff like that and seen crazy shit. He was gone for a decade. He's and, been west of Westeros. Yeah, he's been everywhere. He's super cool. <laughs> everywhere. And I think the one of the spinoffs that we might get is the story of Corliss, the sea snake, because he oh, went on crazy he's adventures. He's cool. He's super cool. That super is. cool. Uh, so that's who he that is. The, he has the title Lord of Tides. Is that what they also Lord of Tides. Lord and of tides. so he's like the Admiral of Westeros. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, it is, uh, who is it in Game of Thrones? Stannis? That is what? Probably. Lord yeah. of the Tides? The Admiral, like oh. the Master of Ships, I think is what it is. Master I can't remember. Ships. Lord of the Tides is his style for being Lord of the Driftmark, I think. Uh, but the, he's also oh, Master of Ships. Like okay. he's the... It's probably he's the fucking Stannis. boat guy. Yeah. He's the boat man. <laughs> hey, boat guy. He goes, what's up? Choop, choo, boat man's here. <laughs> tug, tug. <laughs> yeah, tug, tug's a better. That's a train. Damn it. <laughs> How do boats work? Uh, so that's what that is. They're talking about that. And they're also, we get us to, uh, to, we get to meet Otto Hightower. Sir Otto Hightower is the second son. His older brother is the Lord of Hightower, which the seat of that is Old Town, which is the oldest city in Westeros. That's where, uh, the seat of the religion as well. It's where the, um, the Citadel, the, Citadel the, the, everything is there. And like before King's Landing, before Aegon took over, that was the, the seat of Westeros. Um, when it was actually seven kingdoms. Uh, so Otto Hightower, we, we learned very quickly, and this is one of the most important things to grasp in this episode. Otto does not fuck with Damon at all. And they ain't homies. And that is reciprocated back. Right. So King Viserys has uh, his daughter, Rhaenyra. His brother is Daemon Targaryen. Daemon is dashing. He's handsome. He's uh, clever. He's but he's also very violent, sadistic. He's a little bit of a bastard. I want to make this clear from the from the get for anyone who's maybe worried (laughs) or maybe a little confused. He is a terrible person, like objectively Daemon. Yeah. Okay. But. 
I mean, you just saw him behead people he, and chop people's wieners off. And like, he's a complicated yeah. villain, though. Like he's this type of villain that he he's a I love he's him. a right. <laughs> to say, pardon my language, but he's a right cunt. You know, what I'm yeah. he's a bastard. But there's I love what they're doing with him, where they're like making this very complicated character that has the he's extremely charismatic. He has a capacity for love. He's very charismatic. He, he, he's not just evil for evil's sake. He's just sure. kind of a prick and he's prone to a whims that could become a problem. Yes. And that's essentially what Otto pretends his motivation is, is that he thinks that if Damon were to ever come to power, he would be the second Magor. And Magor is a previous king. Is a monster. Is Aegon's, like a 100% monster. Was Aegon's brother. So succession's always been a problem with the Targaryens. I don't know why. It has nothing to do with their breeding uh, tendencies. Uh, and Magor, it was known as Magor the Cruel. And he was a tyrant. He would just cut people's heads off at a whim. And it was a terrible reign. He's the one that built Magor's Holdfast which is one of the strongest little keeps inside King's Landing. That's where like Cersei's hanging out all the time in Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. So that's kind of During the neat. battle scenes and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Magor's hold fast. Uh, so anyway, they, they're like, ah, he'll be another Magor the Cruel. We can't have that. And he might be because he's pretty prone to his uh, temperament. Uh, and that's the main thing to grasp in this scene. Another, thing to, another thing to what, grasp is that. Homies? Thane homies and that Viserys loves him and wants to defend him. But I'm not your betty guy. Yeah, I'm not your guy, friend. <laughs> Another thing to grasp is that no one in that small council takes Lord Corliss seriously or like listens to him at all. Yeah, you can see that he's uh, feels. Uh, what's the word? Uh, De- dejected. A, a certain amount of disrespect and already oh, sure. felt because of what happened to his wife, Rhaenys, because mm-hmm. she should have been queen in his mind. The queen that never was. And seemingly the two of them, and we'll probably get to this later, but the two of them, Lord Corliss and uh, Rhaenys, have probably the healthiest relationship in all of Westeros ever. Uh, yes, they're very much in love. They're very much in love and respect one another equally. And so he, this guy feels so um, dejected and disrespected, like you said, by all the other like uh, what's that guy's name? Lord Beesbury. Lord uh, Beesbury. It's like, it's like oh, Lord Corliss. Mm, I'll listen <laughs> to you. You're a shippy little, you little, little, little shippy ships. And I do love that. It's a slight little thing that uh, what's his name? Steve Toussaint. Is that the actor's name who plays Lord Corliss? I don't know. Um, I think it's Steve Toussaint. He. Um, when Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra comes over to like fill everyone's cup, he he does this very like Mm-mm, I don't drink on the job like little motion with his cup. He's the only one that like he's a one went, and done. Yeah, he's like no, nah, I'm we're we're, in, we're this is business time. It's yeah. business time, and I'm here to do business. And but that I'm was right after from. he was insulted too, and I I got the impression he was like, no, nah, we're not partying anymore. This yeah. kind of tastes like shit to me now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, I think that's a great point to point out. Uh, and then Rhaenyra gets word, I think it's from the Kingsguard was from, was it from her personal protector Westerling that somebody told her that her uncle had landed secretly in King's Landing cause he's been gone for years and that's what he's want to do. He travels, he's been exiled several times. He just pisses people off constantly. Uh, doesn't like his wife. He, and he's the ma- lands he's supposed to be living in. Yeah, he's married to uh, Lady Rhea in the Vale, and he's not attracted to her and is very vocal about that to her face and everyone else. <laughs> yes. And it's very rude. Uh, so he travels the land. Uh, his actual, we'll get to meet his mistress here soon. We'll talk about that then. But Damon has arrived uh, and he's sitting on the Iron Throne. And how fucking cool does the Iron Throne look? 
they, they made some changes. Yeah, dude. There's like a bunch there. It's on these steps now. And there's a bunch of swords that are sticking up out of the steps. It looks more like the concept art of what the Iron Throne is supposed to look like. Yes. Like not dead on, but closer. Because the Iron Throne is supposed to be this massive. Massive monstrosity. Like melted Like Tim Burton, thing. Neil Gaiman thing. Yeah. Like, and you have to climb your way up over yes. all these swords. It's still basically just a chair. But now that chair has all these little pokies. They made it more accessible with all the other. But also, yeah, put all the swords around it. Because yeah. the chair was literally forged from all of the swords of, of Aegon's enemies. And he melted them with Beleriand the Black Dread, the dragon, the original big dragon, and uh, and made a chair out of all of his enemies' swords. Mm-hmm. Ha, ha, ha. I will sit upon your old tools of war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I love how the sword is actually cutting the people sitting on it. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, they talk about that. If Viserys has like cuts on his back and he cuts his finger at one point in the show, because I guess that's what happened in when Game of Thrones came around. They're like, we should make this a little more comfy and maybe not dull the edges of some of these blades that a person will sit on. Well, I think the fact that the chair is cutting Viserys is actually more um, <laughs> pointed, if you will, because <laughs> legend has it that the Someone who's not supposed to be king will not sit comfortably on the throne. Quite literally, it will cut them a bunch. In fact, uh, Mad King Eris, uh, the Eris the Second, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're right. Was famously always cutting himself like a duber, like a duber, <laughs> like a. I was gonna say doofus, and I was gonna say goober, and, and I like went, a and I went with duber. <laughs> what it sounds real, like a joint. He is a real duber. <laughs> you know what I mean? Man, so, and that chair super sucks. <laughs> oh, this chair's fucking. <laughs> man i keep cutting myself on it you guys got a lazy boy what if the throne's a little girl man uh so i really think that the fact that uh viserys has a terrible wound oh i don't think that that's a cut from the throne on his back it has to be some sort of illness right because it's like it's getting worse and it's got pus and shit i don't know if that's what it is but he that's what he tells the maester it was yeah yeah. but we do see him at the end literally cut his finger and i think it's Mm -hmm. it's, oh for sure it's for the you know diehard fans that know the chair don't like him sam saying he's too weak (laughs) the chair don't i don't like you (laughs) every time he sits down it whispers get you off get your ass off my face please i'm gonna stab you Better not sit on me. But Damon is sitting in the chair and I love that we get the King's guard like, because that's treason, right? You're not very Jamie Lannister. Only the, yeah. Very Jamie Lannister. And he basically is the Jamie Lannister. of. And that's what I meant earlier. He's kind of a dick. He's a villain, but kind of a dick. He's like, yeah. Incest, murder, like terrible person. I'm saying terrible person, but cares about family and stuff. So sure. Super Jamie Lannister. In like a fast and furious kind of way. Yeah. Hashtag family. Yeah, for sure. Hashtag family. But also, Jamie famously, after the sacking of King's Landing, was found sitting yes. on the throne. Eddard found him. Yeah. And he was, he was like, like, what up? Ooh, what are you doing on the chair, bro? <laughs> Better not sit in the chair. <laughs> I don't like you. Get off me. No, the chair likes it. He's like, I actually don't hate these cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> You're strong. <laughs> you work out. That's how the chair talks. Uh, so, yeah, Damon's sitting up. But Rhaenyra kind of smiles. Uh, and this is... So that's there's a little bit of sexual tension there, right? Yeah, that's his niece. <laughs> you can't say um, in the affirmative. Yes. Yeah, that's his niece. No, it was though that is how that relationship is supposed to be. That's, that's not what I'm I was yeah, saying. Like, yeah, that's his niece. It's fucked up. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. 
<laughs> semicolon? Yeah, semicolon. <laughs> that's his niece. It's weird. Two yes. separate sentences here. Uh, that's the Targaryens for you, though. And uh, But they also have a lot of mutual respect and fondness. And Damon, I think, has if he has a soft spot for anybody on this planet, it is Rhaenyra Targaryen. Hello, Ellie. And uh, he gives her a necklace. And I was trying my best to write these notes thoroughly. I failed miserably because I was so entranced by this show. But he... It's some kind of like Valyrian necklace or uh, mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. a gemstone from from Valyria or something. She like said that. that it's Valyrian steel. It's like Dark Sister, and then he says we both now have a piece of our ancestry. Oh, because he has the sword and she has the necklace. Gotcha, gotcha. She's like yours is way cooler. Yeah, I can't kill anybody with this necklace. He's like you could if you put it really tight. And then we get we cut to the scene where Rhaenyra is studying outside with Alicent, and and she's acting like she doesn't know the material, and it's kind of pissing Alicent off because mm. she's kind of like a nerd. Lord, somebody. <laughs> but really, she just already knows it, and that that characterizes Rhaenyra so well. Like she she bucks against authority. Uh, she hates the nonsense that she has to go through. She doesn't want to study with Septa. You know, fuck the Septa. She says. Um, but also she really legitimately knows all the mm. material. She has read it and she's done what she's told. Right. She understood so. the assignment. Yes. Oh my mm. God. She did. That is mm. the, that's the way to say it. <laughs> Rhaenyra understood the assignment. Damn it. I do love that little line between her and Alicent where Alicent's like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta know the shit. And she's like, I'm comfortable where I am right now. Hanging out with my girlfriend. All I want to do is hop on my dragon Cyrax, travel the world and eat cake. I only want to eat cake. And I'm like, girl, same. <laughs> That's all I want is cake. Girl, mm-hmm. preach. Mm-hmm. Period. That's all I got to say. <laughs> That's all I got to say on that. There you go. Uh, but I love this scene. I thought it was a great dynamic. Uh, and then we cut to where the king has a wound. And we already talked about that. Oh, my. Hello. This is Maester. This is Maester Brenner. I'm here to tell you. That- <laughs> <laughs> Maester Marty B. <laughs> Maester Marty B here from House Who Gives a Fuck. Uh, Wouldn't be House Brenner. You have. You stupid bastard. You t- <laughs> Well, I'm here to tell you, you have a terrible wound. <laughs> We're going to send it away to the maces up in Old Town, and hopefully they'll tell us what's up. Yeah, you've got a lab in Old Town, I think, don't you? I, I have many labs wherever Maester Brenner needs to go. It's from the land of Hawkins? Mm-hmm. It is. is that where the land know? of Hawkins, lo- Lord of Upside Down Town is what they call me there. Oh, okay. <laughs> First of my name. <laughs> I graduated with high honors from... What's the Maester place called? Old Town. The Citadel. The Citadel. Thank you so much, Andy. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember everything in my life because I'm so worried about this wound. Well, I also I received uh, a raven uh, that you had declined to attend the tourney because the combatants were all adults. And I don't understand that, Maester Brenner. I'm only here for child fights. <laughs> and also they were fighting with swords. Lame. Yeah, Everyone can do that. I only want to f- see people fight with the powers of their minds. It's many thousands of years before your time, sir. That's what I think. <laughs> also, people who don't listen to our Stranger Things coverage, very confused. I, there was a terrible wound. I had to point it but out. But simultaneously yeah. here for it. I, I feel thought like. you were going to do it for the royal womb. You have a royal, you have womb. A royal womb. <laughs> <laughs> I will now. That's great. <laughs> Uh, we cut to uh, Queen Emma in a bath, which I immediately thought, because my wife just had our daughter a couple of weeks ago. You can't be in a bath. Mm-hmm. It's not good for the baby to be in hot water, submerged like drown. that. And then she's like, oh, the maesters only allow it to be tepid. And he's like, oh, don't they know that Targaryens need the fucking fire? <laughs> <laughs> they need the flame. Next time I take a bath, I'm going to make my temperature of my water what can only be described as tepid. <laughs> Indeed. 
Is that how you like your... Excuse me, uh, can you draw me a bath? Make sure it's tepid. Are you typically a, a tepid bather? <laughs> yeah, I love being Papa Tep. That's it's what they call me. And the, see, the point of this scene that it gets across is, I think, a couple of things. It's multi-pronged. The fact that uh, Viserys and Emma are very much actually in love. Uh, the fact that he very much needs and craves and thinks that he has been promised by destiny a male heir that is in the womb currently. He's having um, dragon dreams. And the fact that she has already had many stillbirths and miscarriages and stuff like that. You talked before about her, um, you know, taking it with, uh, you know, taking it in stride that it's her duty in life to have royal children, that she has a royal womb. Um, (laughs) But she's actually older. And so, like, that they talk about, like, it's kind of a 50-50 shot if you're going to survive childbirth or not. She's done it five times. And she is very clearly, like, the actress that the cast is in her, like, mid-40s. And so birth at giving having birth at this age is like even more risky. dangerous yeah and so it's there there's a lot of like unspoken layers to it i think absolutely absolutely i just thought that was a, a good scene they got a lot of that dynamic across and then we cut to uh damon targaryen is actually in command of the the city watch he's like let's go fuck shit up <laughs> and he quickly trains them and sends them out they cut off hands of presumed thieves and murder presumed murderers and castrate presumed sexual assaulters uh yeah i don't, I don't know understand. if they have any proof for any of that they were just pointing at random people there's, yeah they're literally like you murderer <laughs> you over there rapist he was like what excuse me i was going home uh, I'm, I'm i'm a baker <laughs> guess yeah. what now you're a eunuch snippet <laughs> So just raise in hell so they can be feared. Uh, and this was Otto Hightower's great grand plan to get Damon out of the way. He made him master of laws and said he sucked at that. And he made him um, some other fucking job on the small council and said he sucked at that. So he said, why doesn't he run the city watch? And he thought that that would be demeaning. But what has happened is that Damon Targaryen is a bad motherfucker. And he's like, cool. Now you've given me 3000 soldiers within your city idiot. Uh, and it's kind of a neat fact that the show, I think glossed over, or maybe didn't touch on at all. Maybe it's not Canon in the show, but so I thought it'd be neat to say here. Uh, Damon is the one that gave them the gold cloaks that they mm-hmm. are forever known as for centuries later, even yeah. in game of Thrones. Oh, he, cool. he has that line, like tonight, the city will fear gold. Yeah. And that's why, cause yeah. So he's the reason that they're still centuries later called the gold cloaks. That's he he cool. wanted them to be unified. That's one of my dragon eggs, Chris. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. You're scooping my dragon egg. I did drop a dragon egg. I just didn't think. (laughs) I didn't think about it, man. That's okay. I forgive you. So they, yeah, he causes chaos in the city and, uh, and Lord Otto does not like it. He tries to bring it up, but, uh, Viserys has his back and so does Corlys Velaryon. He's like, you know what? Okay. Let's say on the one hand, he maimed a lot of penises (laughs) and hands. However, Things were pretty chill today after that, I got to admit. <laughs> Crime's going down. Yeah, crime down. <laughs> like 100%. <laughs> but they bring up a good point because they're like, hey, you know, all the all these lords and ladies from all over the land are coming to King's Landing. And King's Landing has this kind of bit of a reputation outside of the of the of the great keep. Um you know, it's kind of lawless out there. It's, mm. it's got a lot of crime. We don't want all these uh, lords and ladies of high born birth being murdered on the streets of King's Landing. Mm-mm. Well, we left out that Damon was sitting in the meeting. So they're like, they're talking about him as they walk in. And he's he, like, he, Hi. he's already there. And like, you can tell he hasn't slept. His hair is all fucked up. And he's still bloody and dirty. And dirty. And he's <laughs> just he's like, been maiming and fucking all right. night. What's up, guys? 
thought I would get an early start. <laughs> what Actually, was the, last guy I maimed is right there. What was the word that he kind of says to Otto? Because Otto calls him like impetuous or something. Impunity. Impunity. And he's like, you were saying something about my, my impunity. impunity. Mm-hmm. I love Matt Smith. Carry he's crushing on, it. Please. Crushing it. Dude, he's so he's good. Challenging challenging everybody left and right. And that's the thing that we learn about his character is that his methods are questionable at best, but he is very effective mm-hmm. in what he puts his mind to or whatever task he's been given. Right. He just does it in a way that irks other people, mm-hmm. uh, specifically Otto Hightower, who is a powerful man. He's the hand of the mm-hmm. King and the Hightowers are one of the most powerful families in the realm, right up there with what we see of the Lannisters in the game of Thrones era. And this is where we find out that Damon doesn't like his like uh, his wife, Lady Rhea. Uh, and he says some rude shit about uh, Otto's dead wife. And then we cut to Damon and his mistress, Missaria. Is that one? Is that an egg? Is that her name? Mm-hmm. I actually did not catch her name. So I believe I'm 99% sure that this is Missaria. I don't think they said her name in the show, but that's who that is. And so Damon famously has a mistress uh, from the city of Lys, who's like a dancer, uh, and I think has some like occult abilities, uh, but they call her Lady Misery. So she's oh, a super cool, cool character. Yeah. Uh, and he's just openly has a mistress. His wife hates it, but he's like, oh, I'm flying around on a fucking dragon right now. <laughs> it's how Targaryens are, right? Like <laughs> I thought about your, uh, you know, your point. Counterpoint dragon. <laughs> Counterpoint. I'm pretty bad at <laughs> I'm and, near to God. Wait, so was that definitely her? I'm 99%. I don't the, think the they, woman that he's like, hey, come here, touch my dragon. Yes. I don't think they would make her so prominent, like bring her up twice, once in Coitus and once with the dragon and give her a foreign accent and have it not be his famous uh, mistress from Lys. Yeah, Wait, so that was her that he was asleep with the sex position that we got? It was uh, the Damon performance issue. Yeah, he yeah. was doing her dragon style. And she was like, I can get you a silver haired one. <laughs> yes. Dragon style. All that stuff. Let's see what you did there. It's pretty good. Nice. Okay, so that that's her. Lady, Again, Lady, Lady it's not gonna, I don't think they ever said her name in the show, but I, would I just so. I would be shocked. But if that was the same like, actress in both those scenes. Yes. OK, cool. Mm-hmm. Who do you think he brought at the end there? I had no random idea. woman from the crowd. I thought that it was my dragon. I thought that it was going to be the one. And maybe this is also the same woman uh, that was at at the uh, brothel where she says, yes, it was to the your heir being the heir again or whatever. Okay. All three times. Yep. Same lady. Masaria. Gotcha. With the coolest name ever. Uh, it's, it's no fucking McTavish. It's no, it's no Graham McTavish. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut to the tournament that's being held uh, in in honor of the king's heir being born. And I love, like Steve was talking about earlier, like there's so many through lines about the role that women play in this world and what's put upon them. And I think that the, it's so purposeful that that's the, uh, the, the king's idea. Like she's going to go have her sixth child, which is extremely dangerous, ungodly painful. And we're all going to party <laughs> in her honor. We're gonna, we're, <laughs> while, while you're going through your own hell and battlefield in the, in your nursing bed, we're going to have a fake battle of play. Which, we're going to play soldier out here in front of millions. Well, hundreds. it's mostly fake, but I mean, there is actual death. There's a couple. There's a couple. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, in general, there's always people that die at these. And, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's what I love. There's a line from uh, Lady Rhaenys, uh, who says, you know, these are all just fucking little bitches because there's never been an actual war. It's been, you know, 70 uh, years since Magor at peace. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Jaharis had some, you know, strife and battles for sure, but it's been decades or almost two decades since there was like any kind of major battle. And since you only lived to like 40 to 50, that's a long ass time for, you know, 
Westeros has been, these are children of summer, we could say, would be mm-hmm. a, an allusion to Game Sweet of Thrones. summer children. Mm-mm-mm. And uh, Kristen Cole is a now, uh, is introduced, and he's he's an important character. So he is a, uh, the mystery knight, who's not really a mystery knight, he's just a knight who's not well known. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Kristen Cole, and he unseats a bunch of people. And uh, I don't really know how to talk about this because it's intercut with a lot of stuff. There's uh, some smash cuts between the actual birth and the fighting, which I thought was, uh, they talked about it in the, after the episode stuff, but I, I wrote a note about the smash cut birth because I was like, this is fucking crazy. Cause she's yeah. like, ah, screaming in birth. And they're and, like, yeah. And then it cuts to the Lance <laughs> and it's stuff. like POV Lance shot. Did you guys catch that? That was awesome. Have we ever that gotten that before? Really, really, I was trying to think if like, it would have been a nice tale if they did it ever, yeah, but I mean, the way that it was heaven, done maybe. was amazing. Yeah. Really well done. what did you think about the camera work and the jousting and whatnot, Steve? Oh, I loved it overall. Yeah. Good I, stuff. I, I wish we still jousted. <laughs> it just looks like it's Have very entertaining. Heard of medieval times? I've never been, no. <laughs> medieval times. <laughs> Only watching the cable guy have Dude, I ever you seen. Get that. Blue chicken. Sucks the big have you been? One. Kids eat free on Tuesdays. <laughs> I've I haven't been to a medieval times. I've been to the um the hillbilly version of it. What do you call that in Gatlinburg where it's like they're not the it's the the pancake house? No, no, it's literally it's, <laughs> it's literally basically NASCAR. medieval times, but like Civil War shit. So the jousting with cars. <laughs> My God, is that a Volvo? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's literally like the South and the Union. It's that whole thing. It's oh. Dixie Stampede. That's what I'm thinking of. Dixie Stampede. Dixie Stampede. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so you're referring to a Civil War reenactment as medieval times? Because it's basically the same thing. Oh, okay. It's 100% the same thing, but with different set dressing. Like, okay. instead of medieval times and jousting, it's the South and the and the North uh, cannonballing each other. Okay. <laughs> Cannonball. They jump in swimming pools? So, <laughs> Kristen Cole, he's unseating everybody. There's a, too much... Too many dynamics that are introduced here to really, really talk about with the time that we're allotted because we're running late. But because we get uh, like Damon, for instance, in a hilarious show of arrogance, decides to ask for Allison's favor and the tourney. And that's Otto's daughter. Immediately after cheating to beat Otto's son, Gwen, in jousting. Uh, yeah, choosing to, because he's like, choose your, you know, fighter. And he picks the Hightower Knight on purpose just to piss Otto off and then cheats to beat him. Yeah, like stabs his fucking horse. And that's what I mean about, like, his character is questionable as I think being kind. Sure. It's yeah. like objectively bad character. But very fun to watch. Yes. I love him. Right. And just the way that Jamie Lannister was loved by many, but I mean, he was objectively a terrible person for the first. Right. Yeah. Jamie was most. my favorite character of Lord of the, or Lord of the Rings of Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings. That's yeah. how much it grew on you. Yeah. Transgressed uh-huh. fandoms. No, I remember I was one of the first people when season one of Game of Thrones came out. I was always like, Jamie, I like that my guy. favorite character. I'll tell you what, like, how could you? <laughs> he pushed Bran out a window. And I'm like, good. Fuck Bran. Yeah. It was Bran likable. Let's come on. Let's and talk about this. Eight seasons later i think everyone came around to my belief. <laughs> okay <laughs> you were right the whole time so D- damon chose uh the hightower favor which is allison just to piss him off uh he, he fights dirty there was even some booing when he stabbed the horse of the hightower knight i heard in the background was I, thought was, okay. I thought that was a cool touch though because you imagine there'd at least be his homies like hey yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so then the smash cut from birth is what I have. And I finally found that note. So basically what happens, it's very important, uh, is that lady Emma 
is uh, the birth is breached, meaning that the feet of the baby are coming out first instead of the head like it's supposed to be, which is a very dangerous and difficult situation, even with modern medicine. Uh, and so I can imagine without an epidural or antibiotics, we're in an extreme situation in Westeros now. And so they tell the king, look, they're both going to die or only she dies. That's the choice that you have. We can cut the baby out. We can do a C-section. So a C-section. Yeah, I don't know why we call it that, sir, but we've been studying it in Old Town. That's what we're going to do. There and was this guy named Caesar. Honestly, who he was. there's a lot of violence and extreme brutality in this episode and in this, you know, this franchise in general. Uh, but this episode's got like smashed brains and all kinds of stuff. But holy shit. That was fucked up. I just saw my wife give birth. I was there holding her leg the whole time. Right. And uh, two weeks ago. And so I think this hit me more than it typically would have. And I like that they didn't cut away. I think it's important that we know, like, like this is what women go through, right? That I like, I don't ever have to even process fully or, or imagine. And it is terrible is insane. Right. Uh, but this, them holding all of her limbs down. Cause I literally was holding my wife's leg and she's like, I can't push anymore. And they're like, you tell her to push. You know, and I'm like, I can push, I guess. <laughs> and like, and just Viserys holding her hand and saying, it's going to be okay. And he knows it's hundred percent not like, I'm going to cry right now. Like that was horrible to watch well, and I, like, well, in, a, they, in a way that I think was necessary. Yeah. And just that, that's one of the best acted scenes in the, in this episode, I think it's mm -hmm. just between, um, uh, Patty Considine and uh, what's her name? Sienna, Sian Brooke, I think is mm -hmm. the actress who so. plays uh, Emma. Or Emma. Um, uh, it was really hard to watch, even though like it, it wasn't like the goriest thing that Game of Thrones has ever shown. They could have shown a lot more. Sure. I was actually, to be honest, I was surprised. It's they, pretty gory. But it's pretty gory, but I'm honestly surprised they didn't show there's more. There's like blood squirting out of her belly after they get the baby out. And like yeah. when they show her covered up after there's a big cavern where part of her belly used to be. It's pretty fucking gory. Well, like I'm talking about with the close ups and stuff. Yeah. Because the close ups yeah, are true. like obstructed with foreground elements and stuff like that. Um, but And then smash cut with the battle that's going on outside yeah, between Damon and Kristen Cole off. and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the reason it's hard to watch, at least for me was mostly because of the actors and the way they were portraying it. Like I thought it was, a they were all bringing, they were bringing all their, uh, their merit to it. And it was great. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the, uh, the after hours on that or about the episode where the, I think it was one of the writers had said that like, you know, uh, the king is presented with the reality that his wife is definitely going to die and there's a chance that he could save the kid. And I was like, well, that's not how I read the scene at all. Like I didn't get the impression that there was a chance there that she was definitely dead. I thought that it was like, she's probably dying, but she's definitely going to die. If you, um, I think that is the, the interpretation kid. that I remember from the books is that they, we could save the wife. Maybe I could try, but the baby's fucked if we do that. And mm -hmm. I can save the baby for sure, but then your wife will die. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that was the choice he was presented with in the books. Um, so in the show, like it seemed to me like in the episode, never mind the uh, explanation after the fact, it seemed like he was just immediately like, oh, fuck, you can save the baby. Sure. He and was like, very much focused on his heir. Yeah. 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 And so like, he made his choice. It, it, it was hard because like, I, I know that there was love there probably. Yeah. Um, but you know, we talk about in the bath scene that like they're in love with each other and stuff, but like the way that scene went down, didn't feel like it, you know, it felt like 
he was getting one over on her to get the kid or something. Well, yeah. I don't think it's a lack of love. I just think it's um, the patriarchal society, you know, like sure. he's in his, I need my heir, right? Like this is what's most important to the realm. Yeah. He, he, he chose his duty to the realm over his wife, which is something that. Cause, wow, I, cause I, like I, it. I feel the same way, Andy. Like when I was reading, I'm like, Oh man, that sucks. But then we, uh, I don't know. Like when I heard, the actor specifically Patty Considine talked about it the way he presented how he thought the scene went. I'm like, okay, I see what you were doing with that. And that makes sense. But in the moment I was kind of with you like, Oh man, come on, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a chance. Save your wife. She seems nice. Yeah, she seems, she did seem very nice. She's very nice. upsetting. That is a terrible wound. Yeah. That was a terrible wound. Oh my. <laughs> oh, uh, what's going on in this room? <laughs> So then we get, uh, Mr. Mr. Brenner here just popping in to say, Whoa, what's going on here? Is that a baby? <laughs> we get, uh, an extended awesome fight scene between Damon and Kristen Cole, because apparently the rules of jousting are, I, I didn't know this and maybe it was just in Westeros, but you can pull your sword out if you lose and say, no, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> right. Also like there's no pause in between the lit, the jousting. They're like, drop the one, grab the nether, keep going. You know what I mean? Did you notice yeah, that? Damon almost ran over his own pole yeah. giver guy. It's like hurry up. I think the second they wire do the tilt, then they drop and do another one. You got to hurry up and get your shit or you can get tilted in the back. Yeah. Baby dragon style. But that fight was badass. That was like, so, the choreography was good. And like Matt Smith seemed like he really knew how to carry himself with the sword and the shield. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I just, he was, even though he's got all that armor on and he's, he's, he's flinging that sword with such speed. He might've, yes. this might've been the most fast paced sword fight in all game of Thrones history. Like he well, was just ripping shit with it, that it's sword. Up there. Yeah. It was really well done. I yeah. loved it. And I love his armor. Andy commented oh, on it when we so were watching badass. it. He looks good. He carries himself well in that dry, uh, Targaryen armor and dark sister. Um, so yeah, we've got, uh, Damon fighting Cole, Cole wins, which is important to note. That's, uh, probably going to piss Damon off cause he's an arrogant guy. Well, he, he loses because he's arrogant. Cause he starts playing. Ah, yeah, yeah, I am fucking stuff. cool. I what? Ow, my back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the son is named Balon and is dead within before day is out. The, the child of, uh, the death of Emma, Emma, sorry. Christine also gets, uh, Rhaenyra's favor after he beats. He Damon. does. Mm-hmm. He does indeed. And that's, that's, that's probably very important. And then uh, succession is again discussed. You know, the, the wife's body is not yet cold and Otto uh, decided to call a meeting with the small council. We need to figure out who your heir is going to be. It's extremely important. He's not wrong. It's just incredibly insensitive. Yeah. And he's mostly concerned about, I think, his own designs for the shift of power. Because he knows if Damon ever becomes king, he's fucked. Because mm-hmm. he has contested his growth as a as a, a power in the realm ever for decades, right? And it's just like you're done if he ever comes to power. Your whole family's toast, right? And so he's just fighting with all of his might against that to the point where Viserys, in his grief, is extremely annoyed. Like you, you know what? You're always talking shit about my bro. My bro likes to kill people. So what, bro? <laughs> Who <Yeah>. doesn't? <laughs> Am I right? We all love it. And that's the thing about King Viserys. And I think I love Patty Considine's portrayal because it's like in the books, he's kind of an idiot, a dumb dumb, a goober, if you will. Like a I duber. said earlier, a duber. A duber. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that Patty's version is much more complex and much stronger. And um, George Martin had interviews about this and he's like, he said as much like, you know, I wrote him as a duber and, uh, but he's like, <laughs> direct, direct quote, the quote from George Martin and paraphrasing is that he likes the show's version better. 
He's like, there's very few things I like better in the shows than in my books. And he's like always kind of coy. This is one thing I do is King Viserys. He's much stronger. And I think it's a better character. Um, So, yeah, Otto, that's where Otto realizes he fucked up with Damon and, you know, giving him the gold cloaks and things like that. Um, And uh, yeah. Well, we kind of went over the, the funeral huge part. I was going to talk about that later, but you're right. It's a huge part in the recap. Oh, okay. Well, no, go ahead. No, there's a funeral. <laughs> there is a funeral. Well, that, uh, that's how we find out the baby died. Yes. Um, so like after the baby initially born, the maester stand there holding baby and the baby gurgles a little bit. Did you guys notice that? Like, the what did it design, sound like Andy? It went, yeah. Oh, I didn't get, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like, Oh shit. Like, it, like the tiny little sound design. Like, I heard oh, something's back, wrong yeah. with that. And, uh, that thing, and it, because uh, the the maester is holding it like, oh, you have a, 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 boy. Have a boy. And he's like, oh, <laughs> you don't have a boy. I, I, oh, I, it's a girl. Well, no, <laughs> you have a body. <laughs> it's, it's worse than that. <laughs> it's worse than a girl. <laughs> um, Westeros. But so, uh, yeah, that, that, that's a reveal. That's it's a Dornishman. And that was uh, a really beautiful moment where we got to see the humanity that I keep hinting at with uh, Damon Targaryen, where like he he's actually is caring towards his family. And, uh, you know, he's concerned for Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra. I think he has concern for Rhaenyra and his brother. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And that, yeah, but I, th- I think that's all he needs to have in that moment. Yeah, he's right? very much like Jamie Lannister, like who does love Tyrion and Cersei, mm-hmm. but will do anything abhorrent things to protect those two against other people. Right mm-hmm. now, Damon, I think, is very similar to that. Like you've touched on a bunch, mm-hmm. um, and the 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 funeral scene is extremely powerful. Uh, they get a dragon to um, what's yeah, the word? Rhaenyra has to Dracarys. She calls mm-hmm. Cyrax to actually ignite the pot, the the funeral pyre. To- yeah, which it's interesting because Daenerys, and again, I'm the last one because I'm biased to say I love this world, but uh, Daenerys seems to be like mystically powerful, and most Targaryens just aren't. Like she's the unburnt, right? She walks into fire a bunch, and yet it's the Targaryen history we later find out to just burn all the bodies. Mm-hmm. So nobody else is unburnt; well, they're all super burnt. Was isn't there a scene later on where Viserys has his hand in open flame when he's in front of the yeah the skull of uh Bam. well it's it's little candles it's like when we were yeah we do that like, oh it don't hurt oh, okay. secretly it does <laughs> like this is great but that was a good visualization of like their flirting relationship with but with so the you flame. can cremate Targaryens like the Dracarys actually did does burn the body it was it just Daenerys that is unburnable yeah but maybe it's because it's dragon fire we'll say that yeah maybe extra hot maybe but yeah I do like that uh it it, it that's a big character moment for uh Rhaenyra that uh, Rhaenyra I'm never gonna pronounce her name it's right. just Rhaenyra man. I know Rhaenyra um so I'm begging you to listen to the show <laughs> But no, that's a big character moment for her because her her dad Viserys is literally paralyzed with, you know, this loss and mourning that he's 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 ha- he has, and she has to kind of step up in that moment and say like, okay, I'll I'll do this, yeah, I'll take over, and it's really a, a big moment for her that she's stepping up to what is, uh, assu- assumedly her destiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very very cool moment. I think that was the one of the apexes of the show. Uh, and then we cut to scheming Otto. I believe it's when we cut to him and he sends Alicent in to comfort King Viserys. And there's some tension there. You can see yeah. some creepiness, right? That was uncomfortable. What were you picking up on Andy? Uh, that he was hoping to get into the King's 
graces in another way and use his daughter to do it. And it was absolutely like some fucking little finger shit. Pimping like, his daughter out. Yeah. One of, wear one of your mother's dresses. No, her, her nighttime dresses. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it was, it was fucked up. And then she comes in all innocent, like I brought a book. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you Just know, like which, that. which was, yeah, yeah, that's the line, which was nice. You know, I like, I thought it was going to go a lot worse than it did. And, um, you know, he, the King was actually like pretty inconsolable and was, he was in there like, I mean, is he like told, a D&D player? I love that in this world, Viserys is the Westerosi version of a train set guy. Yeah. For real. <laughs> yeah. He's been working <laughs> he's, on this thing for 10 fucking years. He's got years. his model city that he's chipping away at. Was it like stone or something that he was chipping away I at? I don't know, man. I mean, the, the man's doing great work. He is. If, if this whole king thing doesn't work he's out for him. He's building a campaign. <laughs> he could be a mason. He's going to be a dungeon master. Uh, he's just building the models. He should have walked in like, I brought a book. Holy fuck. He'd be like, it's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. I brought a book. It's it's the Dungeons and Dragons uh, campaign book. And he's like, girl, get in here. <laughs> it's version five. Call, call Lord Beesbury. We're going to have a night of <laughs> Tell him to bring the 20-sided die. Uh, and then we cut to Damon at an orgy. In a pleasure house with all of his gold cloaks uh, partying. Do you guys know what you call an orgy in Westeros? Uh, There's a a term for it. I don't know. What is it? It's a Targaryen Thanksgiving. (laughs) Got him. He got him. (laughs) No? There's going to be a couple stuffed turkeys, if you know what I'm saying. I've been been keeping that in my pocket for a week. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's only funny when you come up with it on the cuff. You guys can tell. Uh, So, yeah, Damon's in there. And I can't wait to hear the other jokes you've been workshopping alone. I only got the one. Why are you? Why are you winking? I put all my (laughs) dragon. They can see us now. Steve. I know I can't make that joke anymore. (laughs) They put all the dragon eggs in one basket. Um, Yeah. So he's in there partying. He gets a chance to make a speech and there's this hilarious moment where the guys he's got this uh lady of the night bent over dragon style and they he freezes <laughs> mid thrust like oh he's gonna talk and he just stays there yeah that's so awkward because they're lit so prominently in the center of the room and she's like on all fours looking back she's also he, listening and, like and, uh-huh. and he's like uh-huh. so do we can we can we break this position at all nope Freeze. I got a speech and I love how it's shot like this. Miguel Sapochnik directed this episode and he's one of the co showrunners. Um, and they did so well because it doesn't actually, you don't hear him saying it. It just cuts to the aftermath and Otto snitching on him and the small council telling Viserys cause he knows Viserys is going to be on his side about this. Like this is egregious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, uh, the, the era for a day, like besmirching his dead son, like a day later. Right. So mm-hmm. essentially celebrating that he was still the heir that night. So he calls Damon into the throne room and he's got what I assume is Blackfire, the other Valyrian steel sword, um, sitting out and which is very like obviously menacing and Damon is not scared, right? Like, uh, you look the very image of the conqueror brother and he's like, call me your grace. And he's got four of the King's guard there. It's not a good vibe. And when push comes to shove, he banishes his brother back to runestone, back to his wife who he doesn't like and says that you're not going to be the heir anymore. And Damon takes it in stride, but looks extremely angry about it. I'm like, it's probably not going to be the last we hear of it, right? I love the scene between the two of them because you really kind of get the context of their relationship as brothers and the love that they do have for each other Mm -hmm. and how betrayed Viserys feels by what 
uh, Damon says, but then Damon is like, he lays it all on the table. Like I'm worried about you. I'm the only one that actually cares about you and is willing to stick up for you and fight for you because you're weak. And everyone that you've surrounded yourself with is taking advantage of you in their own way. Yeah. And I love where he's like, what are you having against Otto? He's like, he's a cunt. Like (laughs) the way he says that is it's so on brand for this character. And it, and it seems like that, that really, kind of solidifies that I, that Matt Smith as Damon Targaryen is going to be the interesting character, like a controversial asshole villain, but also someone you're like, okay, well there's, he's not all bad, but like, I, I feel weird about kind of enjoying watching him. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I definitely enjoyed every love to watch, screen. love to hate. Maybe that's what it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then he hops in the TARDIS and goes back to Runestone. The TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, I love you for that joke. That was good. <laughs> and then uh, Viserys names Rhaenyra, his heir, essentially. There's a very long ceremony where we see certain people uh, having to pay homage or, or uh, swear felt, fealty to, to Rhaenyra as the, the heir apparent. Uh, and some of them begrudgingly. If you'll notice, very mm-hmm. if you watch the episode again and you take note of certain lords, it looks pretty begrudging. The Stark one was not happy about the it. The Baratheon one also didn't seem super th- super thrilled either. Well, Baratheon was the one I was alluding to, but I think because Ray, uh, I think Rickon Starks just Starks are like I'm always okay. fucking. It's so fucking cold. <laughs> ah, I'd have to come terrible. down here. Yeah, <laughs> it's too hot down here. Hey, yeah, I'm sweating balls down here. <laughs> well, because isn't uh, Rainus has a tie to House Baratheon, right? Like her cousin is yes. a Baratheon. Like she has some sort of familiar tie to them. So it would make sense that the Baratheons are like, she should be the queen. Yeah, if we're going to do queens now, oh, now we're doing oh, queens. Now we're doing queens. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, 170 years or so, egg on your face. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Egg on your face. Egg on your face. <laughs> Get it? Uh, and then we get this. Uh, the only other thing I want to touch on is uh, a scene betwixt Viserys and Rhaenyra and uh, what I think later becomes like the crypts where Tyrion hangs out all the time with all the dragon heads. But right now it's just the giant skull of Beleriand the Black Dread. And that's where he tells her that he's going to make her the heir. And we get this illusion that I think Ryan Condal and Miguel Sapochnik made up because it's long since been like a, a rumor most book lovers didn't like. Never confirmed in canon that the the reason Aegon conquered the seven kingdoms was to defend against the night king or like, cause he knew centuries later it would be a thing. And that, it, I don't like that either. I think that's, that's not good. Right. Yeah. Uh, but they kind of use that to connect house of the dragon to the show game of Thrones in this episode. And he says, you know, you know Aegon had a dream about some crazy ass shit. He that's called a, it a song, something snow <laughs> I don't know. and fire. Well, he only had five dreams. There were supposed to be seven, but then he died. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a real winds of winter situation with yeah, that guy's absolutely. dreams. <laughs> <laughs> he was dreaming of spring, but um, yeah. So I just thought that was kind of interesting that they chose to do that. And, and yeah, that's it. That's the so end of the episode. So that's just in the books. That's not in the, uh, or I'm sorry, that's just in the show. That's not in the books in any way. Yeah. I'm 99% sure that's just like a, a Reddit rumor that okay. most of us didn't like. And then the show decided like, that's a really neat way to time to tie them back in baby. Mm-hmm. Other than all the other shit that everybody recognizes. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad we all love this episode. I read mostly positive reviews in advance. There's a couple like, you know, really famous film critics that are knocking the show for having terrible wigs and, uh, 
all the names being so similar and so ridiculously hard to follow. Alan Sempenwall was talking about that a lot. And everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I thought it was silly because our names are all very Chris and Christine. Like yeah. if you watch a modern film and it's like Chris, Christy and Christine are all characters, you know, are you going to harp on that for 20 minutes? Or are you just going to know because you're used to the names? I worked at the bank. We were Mindy, Mindy, Mandy, Amy and Andy. <laughs> Dude, that's, that was a, awful. that's a sitcom waiting to happen right there. Let's, we need to start writing that treatment. Let's go. Mandy, Mandy, Amy and Andy. The only real criticism I have of this episode overall is there are a couple of really not up to Game of Thrones standard effect shots. Yep, specifically, the fire was bad. The dragons were not hot. The dragons didn't bother me so much because... With those, I'm like, okay, I can give you a little bit of leeway because that's a it's a fucking dragon, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on, but there were a couple wide shots of like, say, King's Landing or when um, Alicent and Rhaenyra were in the the what do you call that the carriage. God's wood? The carriage too, oh. but there's even the Godwood when they like get up and go to leave, and it goes to a, a wide shot of that world. It's like those are just two people walking on a green screen and. It just looks in the really volume. Fake. Yeah, it looked very bad in a couple of these establishing shots specifically. Again, I can give them like leeway with the dragons, but when it's like your wide shots are just like bad, it's like uh. I thought this the the wide shot when they when she flies into the city on Cyrax um, was really well done. Oh yeah, that I was that good. was a beautiful shot. I didn't really notice. I mean, there was a a couple of times where I knew for sure. That wasn't a real dragon. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you were convinced initially. But I was completely fine with But yeah, I understand yeah. what you guys are saying. I think um, they might have been hesitant on how well the show would perform budget wise, you know, budget, budget wise. So this is like the wish budget for Game of Thrones. I wouldn't even say that. I was just thinking like Game of Thrones tem- on wish tempered slightly. Like, you know what I mean? The extra couple milli per sure. episode. Yeah. We're like, nah, I'm not- also curious if we're going to have like a different intro at the beginning. Cause we didn't get like the, dun, 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 dun. And like the whole go- flying around the map and stuff. We just got the, um, the dragon face thing, the Targaryen symbol, Targaryen symbol. I definitely want an opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes it is that way for pilots. I just don't know if it's going to be that way for, I'm surprised, you know, a Game of Thrones. We're getting the, the Game of Thrones theme as much as we are yeah. at all because it was in the trailer and it was actually in the episode. And I, I loved it. I mean, that that fills me with such joy. Oh, it was well, that's one of my dragon eggs. But it, it was like real subtly woven into the music that the existing yeah. music. Like it wasn't just the da na 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 na. It was like that inside of other things. It was like out of a musical where like they use these refrains and stuff to yeah, these, uh, coming back through kind of like a note chorus. Yeah. Yeah. Really well done. Anyway, Valyrian steals. What is your guys top three favorite moments? Starting with number three, Steve. My, my number three is the, the birth of the baby. Uh, I really liked that scene and how kind of intense it was and sad at the same time. And the, the juxtaposition between the, the, the birth and C-section happening while the tournament is happening. So you really, they really were hammering this, this, this theme of like the two different types of battlefields are happening in sure. Westeros, the, 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 the male one where they go and kill each other. And then the, the women one giving childbirth, you know? Yeah. Um, but I really, I mentioned it at the top. I really like the acting in that scene and I, and I think it was very powerful and I liked it. Andy, what was your number three? I'm so glad you brought it up and I'm so glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> my number three was the POV jousting. That shot was so fucking cool. It was like really, really fast. Like that's the first time ever where I felt the danger of joust. 
Like, oh my God, there's this fucking horse coming at me and this dude's got a stick. And like, and, and it's real fast. It's like a two second shot or something. But that two second shot, I was like, holy fuck, that was a good idea. And I know that like that probably took a day at least to get that one shot. And it was fucking awesome. And worth it was it. worth that mm-hmm. day because like that was just so visceral. And like it reminded me why I'm excited about the show because it's Game of Thrones and it's Miguel Sapochnik that's fucking directing it. Like I, I'm in. And that one little shot, I was like, this is going to fucking This rock. is why you were here, Miguel. I do want to say I forgot to mention it in the when we were talking about the tournament, but there's a part when when Damon finally gets knocked down and he kind of falls on that little rail that and it, like, rail. And it grinds uh, the metal and it grinds him and that sound design of it. That was like, awesome. Tony Hawk shit, yeah. man. It was dope. He, he should have done an ollie off that horse when he got to that. <laughs> yeah, and then you do the rail. manual so you don't end the combo. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got to keep that going. It's because he didn't wax up the guardrail. That's why. <laughs> right. <laughs> Chris, about you, man? My number three is when we meet Damon Targaryen and he's sitting in the throne oh, and. Uh, because it's, it's it's everything about it the the shock and disgust of the king's guard it is uh Rhaenyra's, like surprise but also smirk like you ballsy bastard uh they're going to kill you <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to look good getting killed um it's like the whole dynamic of them and it's 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 foreboding it's foreshadowing it's uh, he's he's sassy he's clever he's too bold sir he is too bold mm. you are too bold damon but uh I love every bit of it. And I just thought it was the perfect introduction to his character, especially with Matt Smith embodying the character. And so that is my number three is Damon in chair. <laughs> Steve, your number two. My number two is the small council meeting uh, to figure out the line of succession shortly after Emma and the baby die. Um, th- all the actors are re- really emotionally charged and they're yelling at each other. And I think Patty Considine has a line where it's like, I will not sit here while the crows something like the crows feast well on the bodies before they're even cold the crows feasting on their corpses yeah it's oh man i just love the tension in that scene and the way they the actors act off each other to me game of thrones is its best when it's just a room of actors getting to act Mm -hmm. you know yeah that's what this scene was so 100 percent. number two andy your numero dos number two is damon in chair uh, it was really <laughs> awesome to the, the introduction was everything I could have hoped for. Very big. Like I already said, Jamie Lannister vibes. And I've just been so excited f- to meet this character because I love Matt Smith so much and uh, everything that you guys have told me about him. I knew that it was going to be a love to hate to love uh, kind of thing. And uh, I was so ecstatic to get to get to be introduced to the character and to have it be done in that way. And like the swagger and like the kind of like foreboding of it. It was perfect. Absolutely agree. Love that moment. Uh, my number two is the, the C-section slash the fight, the birth of Balon. Um, like I said, I, I just watched my wife go through a, you know, an ordeal with birthing our daughter. And I, so I think it hit me harder than it normally would have, but I also, this is just a brilliant idea uh, to juxtapose the, the, the themes that were you know, going to be exploring all throughout this whole show, but also uh, right up against, you know, what people are used to identifying with the the battle and the male centric struggle of it all. And I think that that's, I was just kind of in awe this whole time and my lip was quivering. My eyes were welling up just because it means, So this was the scene you cried in. It is actually not. I'm embarrassed oh. to say. What was this? Is that going to be your number one? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Steve, what was your number one? Uh, my number one is the succession scene at the very end, uh, mostly between uh, Viserys talking to Rhaenyra about, you know, 
look at the skull. What do you see? What do you see? And she's like, uh, you know, people fear us because they believe Targaryens are close. They hate to us because they man. ain't us is what he says. They, they hate <laughs> us because they ain't us. You heard? Because they, they rain us. Ooh, I'm sorry. Nice. You're crushing it today, man. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> but no, like, and she says like, you know, we're nothing without our dragons, without our dragons. We're just normal people. And there's a lot of weight to that scene and because we know what's coming and it's really kind of like kicking off like, okay, the drama of the show is starting and here we go it's no turning back uh we're gonna dream of dragons people are gonna die and it all starts here uh with this premonition that we found out about i'm not sure how i feel about the premonition per se but i do like because was this the first scene that viserys and rhaenyra really got to act together other than just kind of being like hey i'm in the room too yeah, yeah. pour my wine you're the royal cupbearer yeah, they, they don't really get a chance. Which, by the really, way, was another shitting on her dynamic because he's looking for this heir, this heir, this heir. And he's got this perfectly capable, wonderful daughter, mm-hmm. but he's making her like serve the drinks in the council. Mm-hmm. So I, I just put that together. Mm-hmm. It was like Arya. That was on purpose. Oh, and an Arya illusion. Another dragon egg that just. Damn, we taking Andy's eggs. Yeah, but cool. you came out with that one. I wouldn't. Yeah, even, that was on me. I wouldn't know. I was miles We're away. close from enough. That's like a minute from now. What's your number one, Andy? Uh, my number one is that little scene with the, her name's. Uh, Ren, the, what's the queen that never was? Rainice. Rainice. Where Rainice is uh, talking to her husband about like. Um, how these are at the like, tournament at the tournament, how these oh, are, yeah. these are all children of summer that they have pent up rage. She says, uh, it's a Marvel war didn't break out at the first sight of blood. Uh, and it's like this montage of these people brutally murdering each other in the middle of like this festival that's supposed to be yeah. celebrating life. And the dude and vomiting. Like, the, yeah. Dude's puking. <laughs> dude gets his face ripped off. Like the, the, you see at least like four or five people die in a celebration of life. And it's so fucked up and it cuts to like, um, uh, Allison, is that her name? The the girl that hangs out with Rhaenyra? Yes. Um, how she's like tearing at her thumbnails and shit. Oh yeah, that was like a um, and you get like little Aronofsky vibes. Yeah, and little, pe- little little shots of like people like clenching their hands and stuff. And like meanwhile, these two old hands at it are just like kind of laughing at the absurdity of the situation. Like there was so much weird dynamic to it. I love that. Yep, I hundred percent agree. And we forgot to talk about her performance. Um, oh, she was wonderful. Rainice was phenomenal. She gave me like strong Queen of Thorns vibes, but much younger. But still, like you get this like world wise, uh, tough, well, weary, um, you know, just capable of much more than people know. Mm-hmm. Person Eve and Best, I think, is her name. I yeah, believe Chris. so. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, is it my number one time? Your number one time, baby. So my number one was the funeral. And, uh, I was just all struck by this. And this is where I was like a little embarrassed because I cried for nerd reasons mostly. Uh, but I loved so much about this scene. Uh, Andy's talked a lot about Damon's role in this funeral and how we got to see, uh, you know, much deeper into his character, the way that he steps up to comfort Rhaenyra, but also to urge her to do what needs to be done. Like, Hey, you're, I know you're pissed off. You're upset. You're grieving. Shit needs done. And your father needs you now more than ever. Right. And because and you get to see Rhaenyra struggle with this, because, again, ultimately she will she will buck and she will be mouthy about it. She will speak her mind, but she will do what needs done or what's asked of her, like ultimately. Right. That's something that I'm already learning about her character. And so she's upset and she talks back and then she looks over and she almost can't bring herself to, to order her dragon to burn her mother. And then she looks over at her father and there's this long pained moment where she's like, fuck. You know, he does mm-hmm. need me. Okay, I'll do it. It's time. I'm getting chills now. And then when she says Dracarys, 
And, and like, not everybody can say that. Like I can't say it. Well, nobody gets chills when I say it. <laughs> so I was worried I'm because like an Italian dude telling you about dessert. Arrivederci. <laughs> what was the TikTok thing? Was it old oh, spaghetti? <laughs> go, go spaghetti. Go spaghetti. Uh, and so I was nervous because like my girl says it really well, right? And like, that's my favorite scene in all of Game of Thrones is season three, episode four, when she does the thing. Go spaghettis. So go spaghettis. <laughs> Do spaghettis is what she says. But anyway, she says it and she fucking crushed it, bro. And like, I had this chill rise up from my toes to the top of my head. And like a little tear came toes out. To it's like they're like in, in a way that's like they're doing it. And, and and it was partially after the the birth, right? So I was like emotionally hungover from that stuff that profoundly affected me. So that's why I said like it's partially that the emotional context, but there's a huge chunk of it that was just nerd tears, like yes, you know, <laughs> like I can imagine Ghost con- spaghettis in the late '80s when there was a convention and Mark Hamill walked out. Like some of those guys were like weeping. It was those tears. Me, (laughs) I I did that. It was those tears. So yeah, that was uh, that was my number one, guys. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and do the Mummer's Dragon. Okay, because then that's a new thing, and then we'll end with the egos because that makes sense to my brain. Steve, what was your favorite performance or the best performance in this episode? Uh, My favorite one. Why was it Matt Smith? (laughs) <laughs> it was not Matt Smith. What? Actually, it was Patty Considine. Um, I thought you kind of touched on this a little bit, uh, Chris, with what George R. R. Martin feels about what they've done with Viserys's character. And I think that is because of so much of what Patty Considine brings to that character. There's a lot of complexity and heart and you know, he seems like an overall pretty cool dude, but he's a, definitely a flawed person. And like, I really love how his, you know, there was no flaws in his model though. Whew, whew, not at all. That thing was pristine. <laughs> Just wait until he gets a little engineer people and starts populating it with the little people that he put his little lead, fig, lead figurines. Oh, I'm sorry. Valyrian figurines. Ooh, uh, expensive. Expensive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, you, especially when, you know, after his wife dies and you can can see like he he's racked with guilt and pain and suffering. And like when everyone immediately starts attacking him about like, who's going to be your successor now? And just the rage he feels. And then the betrayal from Damon and the rage he feels from that. This guy probably does the most range in terms of emotionality that any of the actors bring in this episode. It's him. Cause he goes from being like everyone, great news. My wife is Good in news, labor. Everyone. <laughs> he goes from that dude to just being this wrecked, hollowed husk that, you know, steps up to like, Oh, I have to now share this secret and the succession and give it to this capable woman that I have been ignoring far too long. And I have to reconcile with that. Um, but yeah, very big supporter of his performance in this episode. I, uh, I agree with you. I'll just say it's that way. We don't just circle back to Patty, but mm-hmm. I also chose Patty Considine. And for all the reasons that you said, I think by nowhere, no, no, by no means my favorite character, right? Like, Oh yeah. Rhaenyra and Damon are, I will stand them Mm -hmm. despite how that makes me look forever. (laughs) But, but, uh, Matt Smith is the coolest character in the show. I think Patty is the best actor in this episode. I think his performance was the best in this episode for all the reasons that you said, I think he crushed it. Andy, I would actually go with, uh, the woman that played his wife, Emma. 
I thought that she was, uh, had this very, very true. Sion Brook. Sion Brook. I think okay. that's how you pronounce her. Uh, it's spelled S I A N. It's her first name. Sian. Oh God. That's Irish. That's going to be Sean, Sean or Sean like Brook. That. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I, she had this like resigned regalness about her and, um, also like was able to cut through like the honorary bullshit and like have some heart while also having honor, um, like little touches and the way that she performed, uh, were, uh, really affecting for me, especially like interacting, how you saw her interact with her daughter versus how you saw her interact with her husband versus how you saw her act when she realized that she was about to die. And, um, that, that, that's some of the most affecting TV or, you know, fiction for me ever is when you see a character coming to terms with their mortality in that moment. And, uh, the way that she played it off was uh, absolutely affecting. I got chills um, and it was horrifying and uh, just beautifully, beautifully done. And uh, yeah, I, I thought that she crushed it. I think Agreed. that Patty Considine's uh, performance was elevated by her. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, I think that's very fair. On her shoulders, did he stand? Mm -hmm. Get off me. <laughs> I can't sit on my throne. With you. I can't stand on you. Where shall I sit? Where is he going to sit and or stand? <laughs> yeah. Where can I rest? Man needs to rest. Where can a king rest? To the model room. <laughs> it's the only place I'm welcome. So that brings us to our final segment, the dragon eggs segment, where we uh, just pick out some things maybe we noticed that are familiar to Game of Thrones fans or uh, other kind of Easter eggy type stuff. Or 80s references, as Steve said. <laughs> I guess. Should we just go willy nilly? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go willy nilly. Go ahead, Steve. I know I was taking a couple of yours. So I'll start off with my biggest one is, and that is if you look at the, um, the establishing shots of King's landing, not only does King's landing looks physically smaller because it's in the past, it's a smaller city, but there is no sept of Baylor because King oh. Baylor hath not reigned yet. So there is no <laughs> sept built in his honor. So the, and you mentioned earlier, and that's the, the one that's blown up. Yeah. That's the one the that gets blown up in mm -hmm. season six. Um, the, the, the uh, old town is where the religious capital is or where the religion is of the seven is based in currently. Right. Yes. But, but when we see game of Thrones, it's kind of moved to King's landing with the sept of Baylor, but that's not there yet because Baylor has, has not reigned yet. So yeah. that's, that's my big one. That's my big load that I'm shooting. Nice. That's a deep nerd load to shoot. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Andy. Um, I got big um, Ober and Martell vibes during the Damon fight where he beat the dude and was cheering to the crowd before getting knocked down at the end. And, and he, he didn't get his face squished, but uh, he did uh, have to yield and lost that fight because I think it was Allison that arrogance. labeled Kristen Cole as a Dornishman as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. True. Which is oppo, but still, uh, so yeah, there was a Dornishman in the fight. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I got, it felt intentional. Uh, the mm -hmm. way that fight went down where he dudes on the ground and he's cheering and then loses. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I want to show one. I think it's interesting. And we got to see uh, a weirwood tree, the white trees with the, the faces that the children of the forest carved into them. That's an ancient religion that only like people like the Starks, people in the North still worship the old gods. And I don't think there is one in King's Landing, like in canon, like of the books. I think that the uh, religious zealots burned all the werewoods in the south down, uh, mm -hmm. like when the Andals first came over. Um, 
like real quick listener. I think this is fascinating stuff. You may not. So the, the seven kingdoms Westeros was originally populated by the children of the forest and there were humanoid men. Those are like magical, smaller creatures, right? Uh, there were humanoid men, but only in Essos, which is kind of like the Africa of, of this world, right? Where all human life started. And so the first men are the people that wandered over from parts of Essos. And the first men also worshiped the old gods and worshiped at these white trees with the faces carved in them. Uh, and then the Andals came from Andalos second, and they brought like kind of Christianity, the, the seven, the religion of the, the seven, of the seven. Yeah. And they conquered cause they had steel against the bronze weapons of the first men and they, they conquered them and kind of some people, some of those families came from the first men, especially in the north and stuff. So they still worship there. And then the Reuner are the Dornishmen because that came from Nymeria and her 10,000 ships. And so when the, the the king of the seven kingdoms is always like Lord of the Andals and the first men and the Reuner, he's talking about all of those, excuse me, all of those uh, peoples. Mm -hmm. And then the Valyrians came like, I got a dragon, bitch. And, and conquered everything. them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway. I just thought that was an interesting choice. Like, I don't know why I'm 90% sure there are no God's woods in King's Landing or anywhere that far South. But anyway, that's, that's what that was. Maybe we'll learn what happens to that tree. Ooh. Maybe that'll be a big uh, plot point going forward. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe, maybe you got one. Um, minor, minor kind of just kind of basic surface level dragon eggs. Um, you mentioned earlier the sword that uh, Damon has is Dark Sister. I love Dark Sister. Dark Sister is one of the original Targaryen swords during Aegon's conquest because there was Aegon, mm -hmm. Visenya, and Rhaenys. Rhaenys. Um, and Visenya is the one that wielded Dark Sister, right? Yep. And Visenya, Visenya was kind of like, think of like a like a Brienne of Tarth type person where she's just like this woman that just is a warrior and she just fucking kills people with her sword and she's also a badass. very brutal and calculating like Damon is too. Yes. Yeah. She's like, she's the dark sister. Yeah. She is the dark sister. And so <laughs> that sword and much like uh, what's the other sword called the Blackfire. It, Blackfire. Um, obviously those have been, you know, passed down the line of Targaryen. And so it's so cool to see this sword you always hear about and like the legends of Game of Thrones worlds like, oh, that's dark sister. That's I think so cool. I think Bagor wielded dark sister as well. Mm hmm. Because Blackfire is typically the king, king, and then you know, Dark Sisters the the brother sword. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the, the 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 other. <laughs> Keep doing that, man. You're on camera. Sorry, they can't, see, they can't see my hand. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that that's that was one of my favorite ones. I think that's a great a great uh, deep cut there. Um, did we get a name drop of a Dondarian? We did, Lord Dondarian. Lord so Dondarian. We got to see the ancestor of the coolest character in Game of Thrones. With the greatest no, voice but it is the ancestor of Beric Dondarrion. For who sure. is the coolest character in Game of Thrones <laughs> by a fucking mile? Beric is definitely if he's he's definitely in my top five for sure. He's the coolest. He's cooler than anybody. The Hound. Anybody. Are you? Dude, he's an undead dude with a flaming sword and eye patch. Like, come on. And like, it's, he it's could incredible. literally read the dictionary to you, and he I would hang on every nothing word with that flaming sword voice. How he's used versus how cool he is are two different things. He's the Darth. The Maul coolness of, of a character is a made by how they are used. I disagree. I disagree. The lore of the character, just the conceit of the character is enough for me. Yeah, he's a zombie guy with a flaming sword. It's incredible. And a great voice. It's And the coolest it's voice. Sometimes, sure. Chris, that's all you need. That is true. <laughs> he's just not cool. Arya would kick his ass. <sighs> it's my daughter's name. 
<laughs> Should have named her Barrick. Yeah. <laughs> Little Barrick, come here. Coming down. Baby Dundarian. Uh, we also get just some real dumb ones, uh, like Baratheon, obviously. Um, what the fuck did I write? Oh, we get the skull of Bormund. Balerion. Skull of Balerion, the Black, Black Dread. That was cool. It's always neat to see that skull. I, I hope one day we get to actually see that dragon. I think in we some way, maybe in like form. a flashback or something. Yeah, something so like interesting that, factoid cool. too to let our listeners know. Um, the sorry, the dog is on the the head. I don't want it to rip my headphones off. <laughs> uh, interesting factoid. So all of the main Targaryens are dragon riders, but King Viserys is not because he's kind of a duber. Right. Uh, but he did ride Balerion the Black Dread briefly, but that was centuries old, very old, like. And it died uh, after he rode him a few times. And so he just never chose a different dragon. So that's why Viserys does not ride one. Uh, We got also the mention of the veil. So Lady Rhea, uh, that's to whom Daemon Targaryen is married. And the veil, of course, is the Aarons is who we, you know, the the huge part of the John Aaron. Yeah. A huge part of the Game of Thrones story. Uh, I also heard a Tarly. There was a Tarly, yeah. Samuel Tarly. Tarly. Uh, and a Stokeworth, which is a smaller house, that, but that is a, a big part of the book's plot in Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire. Um, but there's a huge one I'm saving for you guys, if you guys want to talk about the dagger. The Valyrian dagger that uh, Viserys is carrying is very pivotal. We said we're not going to spoil Game of Thrones, right? So it's very pivotal. Mm. In no, Game we can throw Game of Thrones. We can't spoil the story of House of Dragon. From the book. Okay, okay. But anyway, yeah, while he's talking about the prophecy or whatever, the dream that Aegon had, he's literally standing there holding the dagger that's used to kill the Night King, right? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. and that's But it's a pivotal plot dagger throughout the entire story. Like, it's the one that they use to try to assassinate Bran. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, and Catelyn cuts her hand on because the... You weren't supposed to be here. That guy yeah. that, <laughs> that broke into the No home. one was supposed to be here. <laughs> Don't go down that road. <laughs> uh, and then we get to see the dragon pit is another big one. Like when uh, Rhaenyra is flying in, I think it's where they're holding the tourney. If I remember from the books, I'm not sure. I don't Dragon Pit is definitely where they had like the council where Daenerys in the show, at least where Daenerys meets with everybody and they try to, they want to show the, uh, John wants to show the, uh, the Walker, the Walker and everything that's there. Right. That's at the, that's at the ruins yes, of the Dragon it's Pit. It's the ruins yes. of the Dragon Pit. Yeah. That's why I was confused. Yeah. So it's the completed one. I think at this point in Westeros, it doesn't have the dome yet. It's not supposed to. Oh, okay. Which is why they had the tourney there in the books because it was open. I'm not sure. But anyway, we get to see a dragon pit and it's dope because mm-hmm. it's like the Roman Coliseum at what its are full the, height. Is there a title for the guys who have those long pikes that are just like, they look here. like they were in star Wars to me. Yeah. They look like the, uh, the, well, the force is one with me. I am one with the force. Yes. They look like that guy where they're like, we just hang out with the dragons all the we time. We shave our heads. We're monks. We talk. Do they have, they give the, it's like a German shepherds, right? Like they were speaking Valyrian commands to the dragons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which is kind of cool. The dragon's like, no. Not doing that. No, I'm good. Dragons are really smart. Uh, and I don't know if this counts as a dragon egg, but uh, no. just the opening scene when during the Galadriel monologue, uh, we get to see Hall, which is just kind of cool. To Super see. Cool. Yeah, cool. Which is cool to see Hall in that setting where they like put up lights and because it's this ruined castle, right? That's been like melted since Aegon the Conqueror came. And uh, it's just neat. And the other time we saw it was in season two of Game of Thrones when Arya gets sent there. And she's, she's the cupbearer. She's the cupbearer for yeah. Charles Dance and uh, <laughs> Tywin Lannister. Um, but it's, so it's neat to see that 
castle in a different context where it's still ruined, but they like dress it up for the pomp and circumstance of this, uh, this great vote. council. Yeah. This great council. So that this, was fun. This great moment in the democracy history of democratic history of Westeros. Mm-hmm. Surely Absolutely. It'll go well. So that's all the dragon eggs that we found. If you, if we missed any dragon eggs, please be sure to write into streaming things pod at gmail.com. That's streaming things pod at gmail.com. Again, a huge thanks to our patrons that made the, the video version of this podcast possible and much more in the future, hopefully uh, that's patreon.com slash streaming things. But luckily they get a variety of, of rewards, excuse me, for subscribing to different tiers to any new listeners we might be picking up because of your just big dragon fans. Thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the family. We're goofy. We're nerdy. And we are so grateful to anyone that spends the time uh, to spends any time with us. So especially hi YouTube. I'm, I'm still not used to that, that people might I be know. seeing the face right now. Yeah. Yeah. So Maybe. you have to look at this. Yeah. <laughs> Doing the best we can. So thank you so much for tuning in. That's all the time we have for right now. My name is Chris. Yeah, I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things. Happy streaming. All right, who's ready to thank Patreon members? I am. Oh my goodness. Everyone who is a Patreon gets a shout out on the show. And because my computer's being weird, I don't have this in uh, alphabetical order like I normally do. So we're just going to roll with it. But we've still got all houses, great and small. All oh, houses. Hey, oh, I'm sorry. I totally stopped the recording on that. Do we want video for this as well? No. No. At this point, no. Um, let's thank. We're going to thank Jesse Yarf. I love that name. That's a new one. It makes makes me think of hot fuzz for sure. (laughs) Thank you, Stephanie, Jack and Daxter, 93, Jillian M, Austin, Casey, Jordan, Stacy, Jenny, Danae, Tabitha, Taylor, Stephanie P, Rachel, Justin, Cody, Mallory, Amanda, Joshua, Joyce, Lizzo, Teresa. Uh, We got another Jesse. Trisha, Brett, Neil, Shannon, Debbie, Jennifer, Jess, Jess, Annalise, Aiden, the Alex G, Stephanie L, Arcadia, Will B, Chris, uh, Julia, Philip, uh, Jillian L, James, J- uh, Max Squared, Stacy, Rebecca, John T, Elizabeth, Barb, Adam, Andre, Justice Suzanne, for Barb. Justice mm. for Barb, guys, really. Mm. Allison, thank you, Nate. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Jillian B. Clay B. Caleb. Uh, All of these. Sean, thank you, Georgia. State or country, state. or maybe even a person. Uh, all Lauren, of them. Lauren, thank you all. Thank you, Damien. Close to Damon. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you, John M. Katie M. Andrew G. Ryan. Maria. Andrew, G. Andrew is a G. Yolanda Jadinklage. Rachel, <laughs> I love your Dinklage. Uh, Michael, Brianna, Patty, Melina, Matt, Cindy, Nicole, Savannah, Irene, Nicole C, Brandon, DC Hart, Melissa, Sean, Mel's, Casey, uh, Jen R, Marcelina, Sarah P, MJ, Candace, Sergio, Heath, Kate, Will N, Kristen, Tamara, Jake, Arcade, Kristen Cole, Arcade Shenanigans. Excuse me, I, I did not want. There, there will we have be to include the shenanigans. There mm. must be shenanigans. Thank you, Samantha, Brittany, Sandra, A, Chloe, Jungle, Tori, AJ, uh, Zach, Irvin, Kalisha, Toby, Annie, David, Lee, Carl, John R, Kiki, Steph, 
Tara, Paula, Kayla, Adam, Monique, Erica, Aaron L. That's double A, Aaron L. Uh, oh, Aaron A is the ones we got to differentiate. That's right. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Nick. Aaron K. Thomas V. Brenda. Ariana. Joel D. Double A, Aaron A. There they are. Lisa. Kevin. Shep. Double R, Aaron A. Amanda. Aaron B. Andy L. Jeanette. Adam C. Carlo. Katarina. The Reed family. Thank you, Jessica. Tyler. Joel. Uh, Joel A, excuse me. Hannah, thumbs. Thank you, thumbs. <laughs> Thank got you. no thumbs. <laughs> Thank you, Casey M, Gavin, Cody, Lady Pris, Mike, Marcus, Reese, Jacob, Orion, Jared, John M, Katharina, Jocelyn, Mindy, Jade, Ashley, Michelle, Andrew, Kimberly, Danielle, Awell, Stephen V, Shay, Thomas, J, Kyle, E. Lopez, Sarah, Jimmy, Katie B., Cake. Thank you, Cake. Thank you, Cake. Enza, Carrie, Thank Carmelita, you, and Carmelita. Phil. Phil! I'm just now realizing this was in uh, descending order from uh, most recent patron to eldest patron, Phil. I like it. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. So if you heard your name, hopefully you remembered about where in time you uh, signed up and you would know, oh, that was me. That was a little time capsule of a shout out. Right? So thank you guys so much for being patrons and we will see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.